0: everyone. Welcome to the Warren FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Our guest today is Howard Katzenberg, CEO and founder of Glean, an accounts payable solution that combines smart automation with spend intelligence to drive material savings. Glean supercharges vendor decision making. This platform automatically detects duplicate invoices and overcharges receives alerts on billing errors, anomalous spend activity, and available vendor savings, and leverages vendor benchmarking to see what other companies are paying. In this episode, you'll learn about how Howard was inspired to build Lean after his experiences as CFO at OnDeck and Better Mortgage, what impact a tool like Lean can have on the bottom line of its customers, more on how fintechs can further innovate the enterprise software industry, and all about Howard's experience going from early joiner at a startup to taking his own company from zero to one. Now, let's get started. Hi, Howard. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Gabriella. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Where are you calling in from?
1: Um, I live in the suburbs of New York City, so I'm in uh, Mm -hmm. Westchester, New York.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. I'm from Queen. So I have spent some time in Westchester malls back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're super excited to hear more about Clean. Do you mind starting us off with what is the problem that you guys are trying to solve?
1: Yeah, sure. So in, in short, the problem I'm trying to solve is when I suffered from as 10 years of a CFO. Basically, you know, it was a constant lack of visibility into how my company was spending with vendors, and the recurring challenge my finance teams had, really identifying where we were overspending. Now, let me just elaborate on that. As you know, I was the former CFO of On at Capital and, and Better. And to be honest, most of my time was focused on the growth and revenue side of the business. But once a year, I'd gather my finance team to do like a manual audit of our vendor spend And we print out several months of invoices and go vendor by vendor, invoice by invoice, line item by line item, and inevitably find what I call like spend leakage. And, And this spend leakage is just cash that is silently walking out the door. That's not productive spend at all, just waste. So it falls in categories like zombie vendors, which are vendors that someone signed up three years ago on a credit card, they're still hitting you, but they're not using it anymore. Or light item creep, which is um, if you were to compare last year's invoice to this year's invoice, we've added four services, of which we use two and the other two we don't use, and we could get rid of them. Uh, there are missed opportunities to like either cancel a relationship that aren't taking advantage of, because there's like a notice period that if you miss it, you're screwed. Or just missed opportunities to negotiate because you don't you're not aware that a renewal is coming due. Duplicate bills, redundant vendors, incorrect pricing. The list goes on and on. And the last time I did this type of manual audit was when I was the CFO of Better in 2019, and at the time we probably had I don't know about like a 12 to 15 million dollar run rate on our vendor spend, but through that manual audit that we did, we uncovered 1.5 million of savings in all those kind of categories of of, of, of leakage that I just described. So I, I was definitely pretty happy with that result, and uh, when I reflected on it, I realized every time my teams had done this type of manual audit we'd inevitably find like 10 to 15% savings. Uh, that was a, the magic number. And that's a pretty material number for, for better, like that 1.5 million was another one or two months of marketing budget, or maybe like another five or six engineers to help grow, uh, improve the product, or just like two to three points of, of operating margin that we could take to the bottom line. You know, Clearly, if we could reduce that leakage, we could reinvest those savings back into the business to, to really boost our performance. So you know, the question I had after that that manual audit was why weren't we catching this waste through our normal spend processes? And I realized basically there were two problems. First, finance teams tend to treat spend management as a second-class citizen compared to you know focusing on revenue and growth. But this isn't because like spend isn't important. After all, like the spend investments are the things that are driving growth. It's because it's so difficult to actually identify where that leakage is. It's a data issue. And this makes sense because there's no accounting software or AP platform that is capturing the data on what your spend drivers are. They only really care about like what you owe the vendor, but not what you're purchasing, not the unit prices you're paying, not the, the volumes you're ordering. Uh, so that's a problem. And second, we were using build.com at both of my prior companies. And I think because of that, I had a false confidence that the approval process that we had set up, would catch a lot of this leakage, you know, that was occurring. That was just a bad assumption, you know, because one, I, I assume that you know AP platforms would capture some of the uh, the data points uh, that were important to me that I just talked about, and I'll offer some spend analytics back to the, the approver. But but they don't. I mean, AP companies are generally just workflow tools today, and they they can't flag where the leakage is occurring. And as a result, when the approvers get it, they, they have no context. And, and what they tend to do, they have a day job, they wait until the end of the month and they do their batch approval. Maybe they, like, they spitball whether or not it looks like each vendor looks reasonable. And then they hit approve without really digging into the invoice or scrutinizing the spend. So, anyway, long story short, uh, that, that, that's the problem I set out to really fix when I started Glean. And it's one I knew very, very well as a CFO.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting, and and I think what you've also described is the value proposition and the potential bottom line and its impact and growth, but also building a platform with the CFO and it, their teams in mind, right? That that seems like a really interesting new way of thinking about who is actually working with this problem and how can you fit into their more of their everyday instead of just this annual routine. Who, and who are your target customers at the moment? You mentioned you were in this position when you, your companies were experiencing high growth. Is that something that a criteria that you're looking for in your target customers? Do you mind giving us more of an idea of who it is it that you're marketing this to?
1: Sure. In like venture speak. Our <laughs> ideal customer today is a Series B, Series C company that is growing rapidly, but has an understaffed finance team, maybe just like two to three people. But now their board is starting to pressure them to build out like the internal controls needed for finance teams, improve visibility into performance, and like close their books faster. And you know, especially with kind of the market volatility, really scrutinizing burn rates. Like, I think every founder I've spoken to recently has been told by their board, "Your next fundraise is going to be a lot harder, uh, and be prepared for that, and do everything you can to extend runway." So that's the ideal customer that we're we're serving. And within that, 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 that type of business, like the power user tends to be someone on the accounting team who's responsible for accounts payable and also kind of financial reporting, doing flux analyses and trying to explain what changed month over month. For them, the Glean's becoming the primary tool to ma- manage their, their company's vendor spend. And they're logging in two to three times a day to not only approve and pay bills, but really collaborate with the spenders on future spend as well.
0: Got it. And thank you for also just starting um, starting to describe the experience, but what, what does it ultimately look like? right? You mentioned that this could potentially be a replacement for software platforms, but what does the accounting person experience and what is it that they're clicking or viewing while they're leveraging this platform more than one time a day, which is great?
1: Yeah. So basically... Glean has a lot of what you would expect in the typical AP automation platform. You can easily route bills for approval and payment, sync to your general ledger, make payments in 180 countries in multiple currencies. But what's different about us is that like, we don't just stop with helping you pay a little bit faster. We offer smart, like, smarter our, our automation, if you will. So with, with our platform, we've invested so much in data science and really understanding invoices. There's no data entry required on the accountant side to actually lift information off an invoice and put it into the AP platform. There's no manual coding to say, all right, well, this vendor is, is tagged to this account in my, my chart of accounts. All that's kind of done automatically. And even things like how you amortize prepaid transactions, which are still done manually in spreadsheets today, that's completely automated uh, with Glean, so we offer just based on the data that we we're collecting, much smarter levels of uh, and more efficient levels of automation. So that's kind of one area of difference. The second is really the robust spend analytics that I mentioned. You know, we we capture an untapped data set, which are these line items that are really the drivers of your spend, and we can generate very useful context and insights based on that. So when you're approving a bill, you might you'll get a Glean. That's basically the insight that says, this bill went up 13%, and the biggest driver was this specific line item uh, that had uh, uh, an increase in in seats. Or you might get a glean that says, this uh, is a new line item, and that might prompt a a conversation. So the analytics and the insights is, is definitely a game changer. We've also added vendor management as a feature in glean, where you can store documents, contracts, SOWs, NDAs, W-9 forms. So there's one source of truth. So the accounting team or you know the finance team isn't trying to chase down whose email inbox does this reside in? One great thing about Gleam is that it's a really collaborative tool where it's not just the finance team using it, but the people who manage the vendor relationships as well. And um, through that collaboration, they can do budgeting and what expectations for future spend are, uh, as well as like the centralized document uh, management. And you know one last thing that's, that's really, really different about us is because we're collecting all that granular information, uh, particularly around what co- companies are paying to their vendors, we put that back in the product and let you know when you're overpaying for a Zoom license or with Datadog or with LinkedIn. And we'll tell you the rate we think you can negotiate in your next deal. So that benchmarking capability is very, very unique. Yeah, lastly, I'll, I'll just say that you know some of our competitors price per approver. And we think that's kind of counterintuitive because we really want as many eyes on the platform as possible. And so therefore, like we have unlimited users uh, as as part of the, the, the Glean platform to encourage the finance teams to really roll it out as extensively throughout the, the company as possible. Our customers call us Bill.com with the brain. Uh, But we're really much more than that. We're basically this holistic platform everyone in the company can use for managing and optimizing their vendor spend.
0: That sounds like an awesome feature set. And especially when you mentioned even like the amortization schedules, having... No finance background, and being in an MBA program, I wish we had something like a Glean for our accounting classes. so <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's kind of interesting to hear about. It. It's like, oh, even that is still in Excel, but would love to like hear more about how happy users are now using Glean and that feature. How is it that customers come to you? You know you mentioned clearly you had a lot of value. You cover quite a number of routines that I'm sure affect reporting and also, like you mentioned, spend management. But what does the onboarding process typically look like for your customers and what information are they providing Glean in order for you to best service them?
1: Yeah. So uh, in terms of just how customers come to us, as you know, we we just kind of publicly announced (laughs) why we exist uh, and our birth to the world coming out of stealth mode last week. So historically, all of our customers have come in basically through referral networks. We, we, we spent zero dollars on, on marketing, but that's going to change now, clearly, now that we're, we're more public. Uh, we're investing in inbound and, and kind of outbound capabilities, as well as complementing that with a channel strategy, partnering with outsourced accounting firms and fractional CFO companies, where there's really a win-win, where we help make their consultants more, more strategic and, and really cut down a lot of the back and forth with the clients. Um, so that's that's kind of you know how we look to kind of get the word out there and, and find customers, and then onboarding is is pretty simple. After like one or two sales calls, uh, once a customer kind of well, if they want a trial, Glean we basically say, hey, send us like thirty days worth of invoices, and we'll show you your own data in Glean through a free trial, and and you know our hit rate on that is really really high in terms of converting to to like paid customer once someone actually you know wants to commit fully it's a very simple onboarding process you just set up like a forwarding rule where uh most companies have like a an ap inbox ap@company.com, and you add us as a member there so we basically receive the invoice as soon as uh, they get it connecting your general ledger and bank will take less than like three minutes you have to set up some users uh and and, and like set up departments and tag some vendors but all that can really be done within, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. So we've had customers up and running within the day after they've committed.
0: Wow, that, that's awesome. <laughs> and what insights can you share about the impact that you've had on your customers so far? You know, you guys are so early stage, but I know you've already worked with a, a handful of folks.
1: Yeah, listen, on almost every customer checking call that we do, we hear that Glean's analytics have helped them catch something that they otherwise would not have or explain something in seconds that otherwise might have been uh, 20 minutes of work. You're trying to find, like, the two invoices and compare them together. And what we hear a lot is, like, helping them realize where they're overpaying for service because we do provide that benchmarking. One of our users um, actually recently sent us an email saying we're making her look good to her managers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I sent it to, to my team. I'm like, this is this is what Glean's all about. Just to share an example of like the power of the benchmarking side, we recently showed a well-known online lending company that they could save over $250,000 annually with Plaid based on what their current plan was and what we saw some other... Folks with similar relationship with Plaid for the same exact line items, what they were paying, and if they can negotiate the levels down to what other companies are paying, they would save two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And we did the same thing with Zoom and said, "Oh, you got to move to an annual plan, and you know, really push hard for for discounts and for users. And if you could do that, uh, you can you can save ten thousand a year." So they're very happy to learn that, and you know, instructed their team to get on the phone and start ne- like renegotiating right away.
0: Yeah! Wow, that's fantastic. And then want to switch over. You have such an interesting career, and you yourself experienced the problem before you started building a solution for it. So, what do you think the next three years really look like for accounts payable and for vendor management?
1: Yeah, you know, if you take a look at our website, there's we're really trying to pioneer this this category of intelligent accounts payable. So, I think a big trend will be like moving from dumb. You know, accounts payable, if you will, to intelligent tools. Because if you think about it, there's so so much rich data flowing through the, the kind of the spend process. You know, companies today that are serving in the AP function just like they they don't do anything with it. Uh, so I think I think we won't we won't be the only ones that are taking advantage of, of kind of the, the the data, the really rich data uh, uh, that could help companies really drive ROI. On their spend by better understanding what's uh, what's what's actually occurring under the hood uh, with their spend. So I think that's one one thing. But listen, I think at a more higher level, Glean's goal is to really just always be giving strategic context uh, and, and getting you know giving answers to our users faster. That's what we want to do, and we want to lead the charge in that front. So. Like one one thing that we'll we'll be working on uh, this year is like importing KPIs of the business, like employees or customer account or or like even production changes uh, on the engineering team. Those are the drivers of your cost. So if we can like tag one of those drivers to your vendors and say, hey, well, Slack spend is really correlated with employees. Now we can generate insights to say, hey, not only your Slack spend went up thirteen percent because of this, but headcount was flat. Like that's pretty odd. <laughs> you know you should you should look into that. Or you know if it's a marketing vendor, if we can see that hey, spend uh, has doubled with uh, with this specific marketing vendor, but applications from this vendor have have tripled. Like that's a great sense of uh, that's very productive spend. Maybe you should actually spend, be, be spending more of them. So we want to kind of take the lead in, in, in that area. the longer term, we, we have this vision of moving budgets out of Excel. Or Google Sheets and into Glean, where everyone has real-time visibility into their vendor, like third third-party vendor spend, and uh, yeah, I think just you know, continuing to 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 lead uh, from a just an intelligence insights um, and actionability perspective for for uh, for companies.
0: That's awesome, and what you've also mentioned just reminds me, my previous life I was a product manager. And we would always think about the key drivers, right? Where exactly um, are these results coming from, right? What is it that's actually making a difference from either like the growth or some sort of productivity change that we're seeing? So
1: yeah, when I know. was the CFO of, uh, on deck, we we had like we kind of we kind of created Glean in a paper form and said if you want to request like spend that's not in the budget uh, or a new vendor, you have to fill out like this one pager. And one of the like, questions was, "All right, well, what is the the line item in either the P and L or balance sheet that's going to change as a result of this this investment?" So we would make people say, "Like, well, number of customers uh, is going to go up, or average, uh, you know, average contract value, or, um, or you know, uh, whatever it was, like marketing." Um, so we we really really focused on making sure that they had an ROI in mind before getting into the relationship. And with that data, we, as the invoices could start coming in, we could have much more productive conversations on, are they actually driving uh, the ROI that was expected?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I also wanted to ask you about your view of like FinTech and how the industry has been changing. You know, you've clearly found an opportunity where you can unlock the use additional uses behind data um, here specifically for like vendor management and for accounts payable. But do you see any other areas where those uses are still nascent or perhaps they're just not taken advantage of at this point and it could lead to interesting
1: products? Yeah, listen, I think when I was leading finance teams, like this is, just getting real-time visibility was always a challenge. I'd have to, we basically would have to wait two to three weeks after the close of the month when the accounting close occurred to get like our read and how we performed. And that's just not acceptable because it's stale data at that time. And you can't, you can't change as, 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 as things are actually unfolding. So I think you'll continue to see pushes to, to like integrate with new data sources and get real-time visibility. And then, you know, with those integrations, a great one is like, you know, we focus on vendor spend, but you can also build a business on on like focusing on compensation. What is the average um, compensation that we're paying to a marketing employee? What is, uh, you know, do we have any like difference between the equity compensation for uh, for a female employee versus a male in a specific office? Like those types of analyses should be able to get done with a click of a button, but it's not that easy today. Uh, so I, I think the same way. Like we're pioneering uh, spend intelligence on the um, on the vendor side. Like there's a big opportunity to kind of do this to really understand uh, headcount and and kind of you know how you're compensating the headcount and how that compensation compares to the rest of the industry.
0: That's really cool. I just get excited with this stuff because I really love it when enterprise software is able to make companies more efficient. So I just love efficiencies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to pivot over to your career. You know, you were an early employee at On Deck and then you later moved to Better. What were some lessons that you brought to Glean? Like, clearly it, it was the inspiration that those roles were inspirations for why you even started this company. But what else Like, are you able to reference as a founder and as a CEO now?
1: Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, two things. Uh, one is like, you're only as good as your team. <laughs> I spend a lot of time checking in with, with my teammates, a lot of time on recruiting, making sure we're hiring the the, the, the best people. And I think particularly from my time on On Deck, because I was there for 10 years and really saw it from a like Series A company all the way through, through post-IPO, uh, I learned a lot just about leadership and how to read people and how to motivate them. So uh, I'm hopefully being able to Bring those 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 learnings and insights uh, to to the team at Lean, and I think more uh, more kind of tactically something I, I uh, that came hard to learn <laughs> both both those kind uh, both better and on deck was like there's there's this idea of the company and what the vision of the company is, and that on deck we were making you know financing really really uh, accessible for small businesses and really enabling them to have much more economic impact at Better, we were, like, increasing affordability and accessibility of, of home ownership to all Americans. Like, I really am still passionate about both of those missions. And the company, like, those companies were great to work at. But at times, like, the business wasn't, like, you know, aligned with, like, how great the company was. Like, we had negative unit economics at one of those companies. Uh, and... Um, you know, sometimes like you, you you kind of fall into this uh, this belief like, hey, we're really a tech company, but if you look at our, our PL, it looks a lot like a lender. So you over time in, in the short term, I think you can have some disparity between you know the, the the promise of the company and the the business performance. But over the long term, those two things need to be aligned. And you know, I I'm very focused on things like, you know, and economics <laughs> and pricing uh, and like just operating leverage, you know, even at this uh, the scale we are today. So uh, that's a, that's a, like a learning I, I try to impart on, you know, other VC backed companies because so you can kind of get the uh, the sense that like All right, this is the be- I, I'm working on the best company ever. But you do really have to focus on business performance as well.
0: Yeah, it's what's gonna keep you alive. <laughs> so, how was that transition? Right, you went from at that point later stage um, startups to now, a number of years later, um, being responsible for moving from zero to one. Yeah. Um, how was? <laughs> how has it been? Right, you're. I mean, you guys are still so early, and it's exciting <laughs> stuff that you're building
1: yeah, listen, it's been a journey. Uh, I had to unlearn some of my CFO tendencies. Like CFOs tend to be risk adverse, very analytical, measured before making a decision. And you know, like perfect a yeah, startup, perfect is the enemy of good. To get to, from zero to one, it's all about velocity and like just shipping, it's shipping as constantly as possible, breaking things, getting feedback, reiterating. So I, you know, it's been a journey, but but I love it. Um, I think in both of my like, prior CFO roles, I always had CEO envy. I wanted to be the person responsible for making the decisions and having that accountability. Uh, and now I get that. So um, so I, I, you know, it's been a journey, but I, I, I think, I, you know, I, I think um, I, I really love it, and, and I think uh, hopefully have have come come on the other side of that journey uh, pretty successfully.
0: And what what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs We have quite a number of them listening to our show? What would you say to them?
1: So I think the number one piece of advice I would have is make sure you have like some type of unfair advantage. The odds are against you. Uh, For me, I had like firsthand experience with the problem I'm solving. I had deep knowledge of the buyer and user personas that we'd be selling to I understood like what type of messaging really kind of resonates with them. And, and to be honest, I had a personal network of like folks, I could, friends I could call on and be like, yeah, I needed a beta test this uh, initially. So I, I would like do some serious like self-assessment about like, what is the unfair advantage you can give your startup because entrepreneurship is, 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 is very hard. Um, so, you know, I, I could probably give like another 10 pieces of advice, but that's probably the, uh, the top one I, I would give.
0: Thank you for that. And now I, I know we have to end our show, but we always end on the personality question. And I think this is one that you kind of answered, but I'd like to learn a bit more. Going from CFO to founder, what's been the most surprising part of this journey? Now, you mentioned you enjoy the new responsibility and you've been through the difficulties that many founders have, but what have been some highlights for you personally and what have you found most surprising?
1: So I guess the, the highlight, and then I'll talk about the the surprise. The highlight is just building the team. Like I've always loved doing that at both on deck and, and, and better. And, you know, we received our initial like pre-seed funding in February, 2020. It's like right before COVID hit, we had an office in New York city and we kind of had to kind of, give that up and then figure out, all right, well, how are we going to scale this company? How are we going to recruit employees? And now we have, you know, I think employees over eight countries, it's like 12 different time zones. Mm-hmm. And like, like we're all on the glean team. Uh, and it's amazing. You know, we just, it shipped some like really cool features and just like had a great celebration um, last, last week around international payments and and, and some other co- kind of cool features. But Like I feel like I I haven't met most of the team in person. (laughs) We actually have like a running tally on who we've met, and like it's a it's a like physically in person, and it's like a contest amongst the team. But I'm really really proud of like the fact that most people who've never met in person, like have developed like friendships and can have honest conversations with each other, uh, and that's come about through the culture that we've we've built, kind of all over Zoom. So I'm really really proud of that. And then I guess in terms of the surprise every day gets harder. It doesn't get easier. And I, I maybe came in thinking, all right, well, we got to build a product. And that's going to be really, really hard. But now we have a product. Now we got to get customers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you can't go get into this thinking it's like going to get easier with time. It's, it's the opposite. So that's been like a learning experience for me and like being able to better budget my own time and where I focus my meetings and, you know, how, how when and, and how I spend time with my family, those are the things that, um, uh, you know, I knew would be uh, some like commitments, like uh, some, some challenges uh, when I made it. But I think I've definitely had to learn uh, to adapt. And, you know, it's uh, the time commitment and uh, just like, oh, the, I, I sleep 24-7. <laughs> you know, when I sleep, I'm thinking about glean uh, and trying to balance that. That's, uh, that's still like an ongoing process for me.
0: Yeah. Should say um, you and your customers are dreaming of something like Lean, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Howard, for your time. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, and you know we're really looking forward to hearing more about your future successes.
1: Thank you so much, Gabrielle. This has been fun, and uh, look forward to coming back.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media. We greatly appreciate your support and it helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren Fintech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostría. Until next time, your host, Gabby.